you have your Bibles, open it to the book of Joshua, chapter 13. Joshua chapter 13. As Joshua has gone through and now decisively had victory in the land of Canaan, we talked about last week how even though they had conquered and broken down the strongholds that were there, there were still pockets of resistance that needed to be occupied by the individual tribes of Israel. And throughout this chapter, he is casting out lots for the various tribes. And when they said casting out lots, it was similar to rolling dice. They would say, okay, from here to here, it's going to be between the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of whatever, and they would throw the lot out and it would see who it would fall upon. And this was a way of equity so that, you know, it wouldn't be playing favorites. Whoever the lot fell on, that's who got this portion of land. That way, you know, whoever Joshua liked a lot didn't get the Mediterranean coast, you know, Club Med, Mediterranean, you know, they, or the Sea of Galilee, you know, lakefront property. It was something that was dispersed evenly, fairly by the casting of lots. And so as they're going through deciding which tribe gets what, this tribe will take this portion, this tribe gets this portion, we come to verse 32. In chapter 13, and it says, This is the inheritance Moses had given when he was in the plains of Moab across the Jordan east of Jericho. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance as he promised them. We come to this portion where we, we see that the tribe of Levi does not get a portion like the rest of the nation of Israel because it is said that the Lord is their inheritance. Sometimes we feel like our lot in life is unjust. It's not fair. Cards didn't fall our way. We, we got the short end of the stick. Things did not go as we had hoped or as we had planned. And we compare ourselves to other people and say, what about them? Why, why do they get this? Last week, my wife was talking to a, a young lady. And she has no children, and she was pregnant, and she lost the baby. And they were talking, and she was saying, you know, it just doesn't seem fair. There are women who are on drugs who don't want to get pregnant and get pregnant and have children. And here I am not doing drugs, trying to be responsible, and I have a miscarriage. It just doesn't seem fair. And they had a great and open discussion about that and, and so many situations like that. You know, I know another friend of mine whose son, who's in his 20s, is battling cancer. He's in the hospital and has been in, in and out of the hospital for months. At one time, he was in there for 21 days straight going through surgery, trying to recover, then coming out of surgery to gain strength and going back into surgery. And this is a young man who, who loves God. And you think, gosh, it just doesn't seem fair, this lot in life that we have. And, and I think we tend to see these things and, and battle just with the bitterness that can 
overtake us when we look at these things. People who have lost jobs and homes and, and this dark cloud comes over us and makes us question, why, God, this just isn't fair? Why did I get this portion of life? And as Moses talked about distributing the land, and we see it taking place here in Joshua, we come across the Levites who don't get land because their inheritance is unique. We find out a little bit more about this inheritance in Deuteronomy chapter 10. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, it says, At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister and to pronounce blessings in his name, as they still do today. That is why the Levites have no share or inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance as the Lord your God told them. And so we see that they have a specific purpose. Their purpose is explained here to minister and to pronounce blessings in his name. Now, who are they ministering to? Well, they're ministering, of course, to the people, but they are actually first ministering to the Lord in their service in the temple or the tabernacle, where they are actually offering the sacrifices. They are taking care of the things of the temple. They are ceremonially involved with the service of God. And so who they're first ministering to is the Lord himself. That is who they first minister to. And then they minister to the people as well. Have you ever noticed when people get married, husbands and wives, that sometimes there's this transformation that takes place and they start becoming like each other? I mean, some points to the point where they actually start to look like each other, which, which could be a scary thing depending on, you know, who you're married to. But even in personality, I know that there's been some times where you, you know one person and they, they have a very critical attitude. You know, they're, they're always critiquing things. They're always looking at things, judging things, and they have this pervasive attitude that is just critical. And next thing you know, the other one is similar. You're like, you know, you're starting to act a lot like them. And it could happen for good or bad. You, you see them and the more time they spend together, they start getting the same identity. And naturally it would happen because when they sit down together to eat, the conversation is the same. They're sitting down watching you know, TV, the news. They have this commentary on whatever is happening. And they start just becoming very similar to one another in the things that they talk about and the way they think most of the time. And I think the same thing happens with us and with our relationship with the Lord. You see, they were to be kind of a two-way channel. Not only were they to minister to the Lord, but this relationship that they had with the Lord was then to transfer and be taken to the people around them. In Numbers 35, it was said that they had set 48 cities all over the place that were going to be where the Levites would live. 
So they would have a place where they would live. But what would happen is after they would go and do their service and spend their time serving God, they would then go back to their community and be a representation of God to their people. You see, their, their service was a life of worship. It was a life of work. And it was a life of witness. Supposed to be in there, but the other one didn't disappear. Oh, well. That was their intention. They were supposed to do those things. Stop it. Okay. It was to be a life of worship where they went before the Lord and they worshiped him, a life of service and servicing God there in the tabernacle or the temple later on. And then it was to be a life of witness to the community and the people around them. That was their representation. And so this life and this inheritance that they had was with them and the Lord, but it was to spread and have an effect on the people that were around them. And I wonder, maybe that's what we've been called to do. We have no land, we have no wealth. We don't have anything that would be considered of worldly value, but there is an incredible inheritance that stands before us that is possible to be had if we would recognize it and not be blind and blinded by our lot in life and, and comparing and thinking, well, we got the short end of the deal. Really? Maybe there is more that is there for you than you realize. Maybe there is an inheritance that is vast and beyond description that will affect you and affect those around you, just like the Levites had. Perhaps there is something more that God wants to do. Now, how did they come about this inheritance? It's a great story because it's not one that you would think. How did they come across this place of honor? to be able to minister to the Lord and then be his representative to the people. Were they righteous? Were they always diligent and seeking after God? Well, no, that's not the case at all. In fact, in Genesis chapter 34, we have a story of what takes place with Simeon and Levi, two of the sons of Jacob. Their sister, Dinah, was taken by a man named Shechem. He took her and he had her physically. He loved her and he wanted to be with her, but Simeon and Levi were enraged because this man took their sister. And so Shechem came up to them and said, hey, I, I love your sister, I wanna be a part of the family. And so they said, well, we'll make you a deal. You see, it's real important in our family that circumcision, if you want to be a part of us, you need to be circumcised. It's the covenant we have made with God. And Shechem said, okay. And he said, not only you, but you and your whole family, all the men in your family need to be circumcised, otherwise we can't receive you. Shechem cared so much for Dinah, he said, okay, we'll do that. All the men were circumcised, and three days after the circumcision Simeon and Levi went in there and killed them because they were not able to, they were sore. And he wiped them all out. 
as they were taking part in the covenant of God, Simeon and Levi deceived them and slew all the men. And this infuriated Jacob. He says, you have brought trouble on me by making me a stench to the Canaanites and Perizzites, the people living in this land. He was appalled what his two sons have done. So much so that at the end of his life, when he's about to die, what does he say to his sons? He says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Cursed be their anger so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. He did not give them a blessing. He told them that they were cursed because of what they had done. Your violence. Not only was it violence, it was violence in the covenant that God had given to his people. You did not represent our God. You did not represent me. You have no part of the inheritance. It doesn't belong to you because you're cruel, because you're violent. At the end of his life, he wanted nothing to do with these two of his sons. Wanted no blessing upon them because of their character, because of the things that they had done. So what changed? What was the turning point? How could Levi go from a person who had no blessing to a person whose job it was was to minister to God himself and to the people? You know, there is a moment when the curse of Levi was changed and became a blessing. But the curse on Simeon, it ran its course and his tribe faded out of existence. But not with Levi. With Levi, God became his inheritance. And it happened in Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus 32, Moses came down from the mountains. He came down with the commandments of God. And you guys know the story. The children of Israel had made for themselves a calf out of gold and were worshiping and engaged in idolatry and all kinds of just lewd conduct. Moses came down and he saw this and he said, what is going on here? And he makes a statement and he says, he stood at the entrance of the camp and he said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And it says that all the Levites rallied to him. You see, it was at this point in the wilderness when the commandment of God came down and everyone was turned away from God and Moses came and he said, what's going on here? Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And it was there that it says, all the Levites went to Moses. When did this happen? It happened in the wilderness when their future was uncertain. Their destiny was unclear. When the, the, it was difficult, it was hard on them. There was a lot of uncertainty that was taking place. It took place in the wilderness. 
not in the land of promise. And in the, the place of wilderness, they made a decision that would affect who they were in the land of promise. Do you realize that there are decisions that we make in our times of wilderness, in our times when we're wondering, what the heck is going on? Why is my life like this? Why don't I have this lot in life? And we question these things if we allow bitterness to come into our lives and we don't make the right choice in the wilderness, it will affect our life in the land of promise. And the decisions we make in those difficult times have important and long-lasting consequences. And if we're not careful and we allow bitterness to cloud our soul and to darken our hearts and to occupy our mind and embitter us against God, the decision in the moment will come where it says, are you going to follow me or are you going to continue to turn away? If we would turn to God, he would become our inheritance. But if like Simeon, we don't, then we lose. We are the ones who will be at loss. They made this choice. It's in the decisions made in the wilderness that determine our inheritance. We will either reach out for God or we will turn away and with the sand we'll just fade into obscurity. That's why James tells us to count it all joy when you fall into different kinds of trials because the testing of your faith is producing something. Perseverance. And so maybe you're here and you're despising your situation. You're, you're saying, why me? This isn't fair. Be careful. Because the decision you make here will affect who you are and your outcome. There's a beautiful scripture in Job. Chapter 23, verse 10, it says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. God hasn't lost sight of you. He knows right where you are. And, and I love how in Deuteronomy it says that they were given the Lord as their inheritance as he had said. In other words, I told you this was going to happen, and it's happened. God was not surprised with the Levites coming to this place of inheritance. The Levites, don't you know what they did to Shechem and his people? Don't you know what would happen? And, you know, we can tend to nullify the grace of God in other people's lives because we don't forget. We want to hold on to the iniquity of others. We don't let them go. We have this stigma. People who maybe have had a divorce and we just look at them through that lens of, well, well you've been divorced. Or maybe someone has had an abortion and they're feeling ashamed or whatever kind of things that you have done and you are labeled with some kind of label that says you're not quite ready for what God has. That's not how God looks at it. And we need to be careful that we don't judge people. 
with a judgment that Christ has not judged people with. If he is able to forgive, then you need to let it go too and not hold someone in that stigma. And so God is able to take someone who was vile and bring them into a place where they are now ministering to him, ministering to God himself, the Levites who were cruel. Why? Because they made a decision in the wilderness, I'm going to follow after God. Moses, we will follow the Lord. And that decisive moment changed their destiny. Simeon's was sealed. He didn't go. He didn't fall after, but Levi did. All of them did. And so they were given a prominent place. In Ephesians 2, it tells us that he has made us alive, we who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which we once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Remind you of Levi? We were children of wrath. But it says in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It is never too late to start doing what is right. It is never too late to make a decision to not be bound with what has happened in the past, but to turn to God and start a new destiny. It is never too late to make the Lord your inheritance, no matter where you are, no matter what you have, no matter what your lot in life is. You can choose to make him your inheritance to make him the prominent place in your life. And you see, we need to recognize this because otherwise we will forsake what belongs to us. You see, an inheritance is something that belongs to the heirs, something that belongs to the children. It's what you get from your parents. It's given down to you. It's something that belongs to you, but it is coming in time. And if we close our minds to the things that God wants for us because we don't turn to him in the times of wilderness, but we turn away, we can forfeit and, and not receive the things that he has for us. I'm not saying you won't be saved. I'm saying that there are things that God wants to give you of himself that you will not get because you are not looking for them, you don't desire them, and you turn away. And the blessings you will miss out will not only affect you, but they'll affect the people around you because when you minister to the Lord, you are then able to minister to other people. One of the, the hardest things, I think, sometimes to understand is that our lives affect the people around us. When we falter, we don't falter ourselves. We falter and all those around us who see us also are hindered 
Because when we are representatives of God, when we are ministering to Him, when we are living the life that He has called us to live, when we are in this relationship with Him that He speaks to us and and we pray to Him and He answers and our lives are alive with the life of Christ, other people benefit from the overflow of our lives. It influences them. They see you and they say, I want to be like you. Why? Because you are alive. God has quickened you, has made you alive. I know who you used to be, but you're different. And you're an example to them. But you see, that gets robbed if you will not turn to the Lord in the time of wilderness. You cheat yourself and you cheat the world around you, the community around you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, it says, Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be the praise of his glory. You see, we have an inheritance. It belongs to us. It is ours. And he has predestined us. He has a a purpose for our lives. Our lives are not just happenstance. God has predestined us to have an inheritance that we would be the praise of his glory. Whatever it is in our lives, wherever we're at, you have been set aside to give him glory. He is your inheritance. Just as the Levites were to minister to the Lord and to the people, you and I are to do the same thing. He is our inheritance. He has set us aside for the praise of his glory. He's called us for that purpose. And I wonder if we think or we fail to recognize what is there available for us. I wonder how often we we do not see the inheritance that belongs to us. What is really ours? Paul said later on in chapter 1, verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. You see, it's like Paul is saying, do you recognize what is waiting for you to embrace? And he prays that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would be able to see the inheritance that is ours right now. Because a lot of us are not living in this inheritance. A lot of us are blinded again by our circumstances And we think, well, you know, you don't understand the hardship I'm going through. You don't understand my son is in the hospital and he could die of cancer. You don't understand the loss I've had, the struggles that I've had. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would be enlightened. I'm praying you would understand and see the hope that you have been called to. 
that you would recognize what really belongs to you. The riches of his inheritance that are yours. But you need to recognize them where you're at because it will affect how you live. And you know, this is what we've been called to. This is what we have been saved for. This is why we name ourselves with Christ. Because we have an inheritance that cannot be taken away. One that is eternal. Don't let anything blind you from seeing that. Don't let the wilderness, don't let the past, don't let the things that are spoken about you by others, or maybe it's in your own conscience. I can't, I can't serve God in that way. Don't you know what I have done? Your circumstances, how can, I, how can I trust God with all these things that are happening? Why me, Lord? Why this? Why this lot in life? And the Lord is saying, I have an inheritance for you. I'm praying that your eyes will be enlightened, that you would see the richness that belongs to you right here, right now. It is your destiny. You are my child. I have not forgotten you. This is why I have called you. I have predestined you for this, for the praise of my glory. And, and it's... So easy not to see what God has for us when we're only looking at where we're at. And all oh, the things that we miss because we don't recognize what belongs to us. That's why Paul could say, I, I imagine that the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Not to us, the glory that will be revealed in us. Why? Because it belongs to you. It is your inheritance. It is who you are. The Lord is your inheritance. And we need to recognize this. Our possession of him is to be matched by his possession of us. You see, we like to think, oh yes, I, I have the Lord, but does he have us? And it, it's kind of mind-boggling to think that God actually wants to be with us. I remember when Corrine and I were dating, I had a crazy crush on this girl. I, I was just like, oh man. How do I get her to like me? And, and you know that awkward, you're not sure if they like you, you know, but you're hoping they do and you're afraid to take that step and you don't want to say, do you like me? Because that's pathetic looking, you know? <laughs> and so you just throw out these little hints, you know, every now and then and you ask and if, you know, she says yes, then it's a good sign, you know, it's one step closer to that. And I remember one one evening, we had, a, I don't know, gone out with a group of friends to dinner or something, and we said goodbye to each other. 
And usually, you know, we gave each other a hug. You know, you always give, hi, yeah, hug, you know. This hug was different. <laughs> this hug lasted a little bit longer. In fact, it was a nice hug. I remember it to this day. It's like, I, I could camp here all night, you know. I, I, I like this place. And you see, at that moment, I, I knew she wouldn't be staying here this long if she didn't really like me. Bing! The light bulb went off in my head. Hallelujah! You know, it was just like... It, it was the recognition in our relationship that this, this is going both ways. And sometimes we don't understand that the Lord really wants you, that he's really hugging you, that he wants to be involved. That's why Jesus said, if anyone comes to me or knocks at the door, opens the door, I stand at the door and knock, let me get my scripture right, and they open, I will come into him and I will sup with them and they with me. You see, we love him and he loves us. It's this relationship that we have. And not only do we want to be with God, but the mind-blowing thing is God wants to be with you. And he says, I, I'm your inheritance. I'm what you have. I cannot be taken away. I have a destiny for you that is rich beyond what you can imagine. Don't turn away from it. Turn to the book of Job. The last chapter, chapter 42. See, I, I believe God is saying to the, to the lonely heart, to those who have a disillusioned life, that feel that they have no inheritance in the land, there, there is nothing here for them. I believe God is saying to you and to me, I am your inheritance. I belong to you. And I believe we need to ask ourselves the question, if God belongs to you, is that enough? And if you say no, what are you saying? At the end of Job, chapter 42, starting at verse 1, you know, the book of Job is interesting because you go through 41 chapters to find out the end, 42, what it all comes down to. And it's uphill, downhill. It's a roller coaster ride. And finally, we get to the end. After God has spoken to Job, Job responds and he says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. How many of you believe that? Yeah, we believe that. That no plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, Who is this that obscures my counsel with knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. I think we do that a lot. We talk about things that we don't understand that are way beyond our ability to find out. Verse 4, he says, You said, listen now, I will speak, I will question you, and you shall answer me. And then Job responds and says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent 
and dust and ashes. See, Job said, you know, I had heard about you. I, I'd, I'd read the scriptures. I'd gone to Bible studies. I'd done all the things. I knew a lot about you. I had heard about you, but now my eyes have seen you. And you see, a lot of us have to get to this place where we stop hearing about God, where we stop just believing about God and we actually see who he is and he actually becomes our inheritance. This is speaking a depth of relationship, a change of getting to something you know about to someone you know. And you understand. And he says, I repented. I turned from those ways. I I left that way of thinking. I was talking and I didn't know what I was talking about. I'd heard about you, God, but now I see you. And we need to get to a place where we're not just hearing about God. We're not just talking with him as if he's in the third person. But when we see him, when he becomes our inheritance, when we not only minister to him, but then are ministered to by him. When we not only belong to him, but he belongs to us. And the riches that belong to him are ours. And they are beyond finding out. And in the middle of the wilderness, he says, will you follow me? Am I enough? Will we say, yeah. I hate the desert. It sucks out here. There are snakes. Water's no good. Job doesn't pay enough. Kids are wild. Car doesn't run. But you're enough. And you belong to me. You are mine. I have all that I need. I have my inheritance. See, the Lord himself was their inheritance. Is that enough? He desires to be our inheritance. Is that enough? If it's not, ask yourself, why not? And I pray, if it's not, that your eyes would be enlightened with understanding, that you would recognize the riches of his glory that belong to you. Let's pray. Father, I I feel like Job. So many times I have spoken without knowledge. So many times I have acted and conducted myself and, and challenged you, questioned you, and I know nothing. And God, so many times I've heard and I've 
disgust. But Lord, when I really see you, I am humbled. When I recognize what you have done and what you have to offer, I am in awe. When I see how much you love me and how little I love you in return, I'm grieved. But I want to be like Levi and make the choice in the wilderness of this life to turn to you, to follow you, to make the decision that will affect my destiny, to be content that you are my inheritance, that no matter what else I have in this world, whether I have a little or a lot, whether I have comfort or pain, Most importantly, I have you. And God, I I know I've been a little serious throughout this whole time, but this is such overwhelming opportunities for us to change our lives, for us to, to get out of the pit of despair, enter into the riches of blessing that will not only affect us, but will affect everyone around us. And so, Lord, enlighten our eyes. Give us understanding. May we see clearly. May we be content with you. It doesn't mean we can't strive to better our situation and and desire to see you do more. We're not content to be stagnant, but we are content with our inheritance. It is beyond our ability to understand or grasp. We are richer than we can imagine if we have you. And I pray for all of us here that we would not just hear about you, but we would see you. we would be your people, and that you would be our God. Lord, thank you for just encouraging us through your words. I pray you would strengthen us, remind us. Father, may we be worshipers, may we be serving you, and may we be a witness of you to those around us. We do pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.